things he has done. Amen. Let's stand to our feet right now as we seek the Lord in prayer. How many know God gets all the glory? Amen. Amen. Bible says whatever you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, give glory to God. Amen. Oh, Father, right now, we thank you so much. When you get the glory, special things happen. When we get the glory, we miss out on blessings. So today we are committed, as Brianda has, has ministered to us, the word is, let God get the glory. Oh, Father, today in our lives, in our walk with you, in our marriages, in our families, on our jobs, in the decisions that we make, get the glory, Father. Oh, Father, we praise you right now for this moment in time in your presence. It's like heaven on earth. God, one day we'll be able to spend the ceaseless ages of eternity with you. But for now, we, we, we relish these moments as we sit down with brothers and sisters who, are, who have been in the same fight we've been in, but have beat the devil. And they're here today. They're survivors. And so we're able to sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. We're able to rejoice as the angels cannot rejoice because we have experienced the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. And so we don't need anybody to tell us to give glory or to praise the Lord. we got enough reasons to open up our mouths and say to God be the glory. Great things he has done. And you continue to do God. We worship you. And we tell the devil right now to get out of here. You have no permission in this place or jurisdiction. This place has been assigned to the people of God. And we put you under our foot right now in Jesus' name. And we pray amen, amen, and amen. Just hug your neighbor and tell them God is going to get all the glory. Amen. God's going to get all the glory. Yes, indeed. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a praise, boy. Ah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you could give me a little more volume, even in the monitors, or just so I'd be able to hear myself. Can you hear me out there? Praise the Lord. I want to uh, begin by saying again, I'm, I'm glad my little sister, Brianda, uh, came here to be with us today. Uh, she drove all the way here from uh, Berrien Springs, Michigan, Benton Harbor. Uh, and, um, and we just praise God that she came here. And she was really coming to hang out. But uh, we told her, said, come on, you got to come on and sing. When the Lord gives you a gift like that, you, know, you can't come up in here and just chill. Amen. You got to come on on here and minister. Praise the Lord. Her father was my professor at Oakwood. We became close. And uh, when her father passed, uh, she and I. Uh, grew closer together when her days at Oakwood, when she was a leader down there, brought me from time to time to preach. And I've been to their house since then to eat up all their food. And uh, that's my family right there. So it's, it's just glad to have you. Thank you for coming. And uh, we were blessed. Amen. How many of you were blessed by this sister? Amen. By the way, that, this is a shameless promotion for Oakwood. That's what happens when you go to Oakwood. Amen. Yes, sir. All right. I want to, uh, before we open the word of God, I want to just take a moment to say just a few things. Uh, first, I'd like to ask the ushers and officers of the church, if you will open the doors of the church at this time, not figuratively, literally, 
Open up the doors. Open up the door. Yes, that, those are open. Let's get that rear door open in the back as well. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Now, what we're, what we're doing at this point, yes, thank you, Veronica. Uh, what we're doing right now is we're just trying to uh, not wait to the end of the sermon to open up the doors of the church. Amen? <laughs> so, 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 so real quick, if, if there are officers of the church, deacons and ushers and greeters, would you do me a favor? Uh, would you just uh, patrol the sanctuary as well as the other areas of our facility? And just find anybody that's not in here and uh, uh, invite them to come on inside at this time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, while, while they're doing that, I need to say, um, I need to talk to you for a second. Um, everybody, everybody, everybody with me? This past Sunday, we had a business meeting. All right. If you are not there, we want to make you aware of what transpired. At this business meeting, after about four years of discussion, as well as 21 days of prayer and fasting, we decided to come together as a church to make a decision based on the vision that had been cast by the pastors as well as the leadership of the church as to whether God wants us to stay here at this address. 737 East 105, or if God was calling us to relocate in order that we might be able to have facilities that can afford us more opportunities for ministry than our current facilities do. The purpose of this vote was not that we move tomorrow. Uh, We are not putting a for sale sign up at the church tomorrow, and we are not going to be nomads in the city of Cleveland. We're simply following the protocol that has been outlined to us by the conference that when a church is in a position and they're thinking and dialoguing about building or relocating or both, that there are certain steps and actions that must be taken in following the line of protocol before we go any further. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, as a pastor, I can look around at properties all day and say, ooh, that's nice. Ooh, that would be nice if we could have that. Oh, that has this and it has that in order to help us. But all I'm doing is just looking for fun. But until the church as a whole grants permission for us to make this official, all the looking and consideration and praying is for naught until the church gives authority and permission to do so. It is not within the protocol of the Seventh-day Adventist Church for a preacher to make decisions without the church. That's not what's going on here. The church board made a recommendation to relocate at such time that we find the appropriate facilities that can allow us to do more ministry. All right? Good to see you, Elder Palmer. God bless you. Good to see you this morning. Praise the Lord. Um, so understand what, we're, what has happened. What has happened is this. The church, by majority vote, took an action that we re- relocate. What does that mean? That means that we ain't going nowhere until we find a facility that would meet our needs and our vision to be able to better reach the city of Cleveland. Amen. Having said that, 
even when we get to such time that we find something that might be of interest to the congregation, we have to go through the same process again. We will bring you the recommendation. You can give suggestions. And then you will then take the action again that comes from the church board and building committee as to what your pleasure is. Does everybody understand? Does everybody understand where we are? Now, I want to say this. We feel, I feel, that God, and this is me, and, you, and God has to lead you. And let me, let me say this. It does not bother the pastor that there are those who do not yet agree or see this. You have to be very insecure as a leader to want everybody to go along with you all the time. Amen. What we would rather have is for people to pray through this thing, let God show them. Amen? Because we ain't going to be able to go forward unless we go forward together anyway. Amen? Amen? And so the approach that we have taken as leadership team is we're going to pray our way through this thing. We're praying our way through this thing. We're not just trying to find good ideas. We're trying to find the God idea here. Praying our way through this thing. We've been fasting. Many of us have been fasting and praying on this thing for four years now. Asking God for direction and for uh, understanding as to what his will is. And, I, and let, me, let me flip and say this. Can I say this just before I preach, saints? When my, my wife was baptized in this church, born in this church, raised in this church, y'all know her. My mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my sisters and brothers were raised in this church. I know what this church means, and I'm talking about the building. I know what it means to you. I know that. And I know that when some Johnny come lately, who hadn't been with you on the journey for 60 years, comes into the church and says, saints, God has told me that I believe we should move. I know how you feel on that. It's hard to simply just say, we're going to get up and leave home. I want you to understand that this thing has not been brought to you without the thought in mind of how sensitive and how delicate and how special this place has been for years. Many of you came to the Lord in this place. If there's anybody that gets it, I get it. However, however, I do think that there comes a time in all of our experience where we have to pause and say simply to God, God, are you leading us to go someplace else? That happens in our spiritual lives. That happens in all of us. At some point, you get comfortable, and, and sometimes you got to take those moments where you pause and you say, God, what is your will? So if I can summarize what this whole process is for. The whole process is simply to say this. God... What are you saying in this season, in 2013, as we are witnessing a, a running away from Christianity and modern church like we have never seen in Earth's history? In my mind, and this goes beyond the building, so take the building out of your mind for a minute. What I do know is this, is that you cannot continue to do ministry as you have always done it. In the day and age in which we are living. That's right. That's right. 
Whatever God says is the solution to that problem. I am open to the Holy Spirit to do whatever he says. If the Holy Spirit says the only way that Glenville can go to the next level is if you leave, Myron. No, 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 what's what I'm saying? What I'm saying is you have got to, don't miss this point, this is crucial. You have got to be willing to do and go wherever God tells you to go or do no matter how you feel about where you are. Let me say this. When we were in Nashville, Tennessee, minding our own business, making two times more of the amount of money we make it now, living in our own house, enjoying the comforts and the weather of Nashville, Tennessee. When Freddie Russell called me, we told him no three times. And then God told me in the morning, he said, boy, he says, that's your will. That's, right. that's what you want to do. Open yourself up to the possibility that I might be making a shift and an adjustment in your life. And I want to tell you, since I have come here, it has been a joy. What God has been doing in my life, I don't know what he's been doing in yours, but I know that God brought me to Cleveland to save my soul. And the things that I have been experiencing here, the faith journey that God has me on, has gotten me to a place where I am totally unsatisfied with mediocrity. I, my whole life, I'm going to get to the word, I promise you. Just hear, just hear my heart for a second. My whole life, I've been living in fear. I've been making safe decisions. I've only been doing what I could calculate. And God says, listen, boy, we walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. When are you going to stop leading like a scaredy cat, worried about people, worried about opinions, worried about failing, worried about success, and simply just be obedient to what I told you to do? So, I mean, it, it's up to you to decide whether God is leading the pastor. And it's not my job to make you believe. That's God's job. But all I can tell you is that the journey that God has me on is not a journey of standing still. It's a journey of movement. And the last time I checked, the Seventh Day Adventist Church is a movement. Do not misunderstand me. This is not a political speech to get you to go one way or the other. Because I've learned if, it, if man is in it, it will fail every time. You can bank on it. If man is in it, I don't want to have my preacher voice because I don't want you to think, I mean, but if man is in it, it's going to fail, right? But listen, here's the scripture. The scripture says this. If God is in this thing, you ain't going to be able to stop it. I'm trying to get with God. I'm not saying we've got all the answers, but we are, what that vote simply said is, we are now willing to listen to the voice of God. And even if it's something that we have never done before, we are open to the fact that God might be, just he might be, calling us to do something greater. And that's simply what we did. On July the 28th or 29th, I get the days mixed up, but it's either going to be Saturday night or Sunday night. And I want everybody to hear me. There will be another meeting. And in this meeting, a plan will be laid out. Financially, 
Building-wise, everything. We hired two consultants to help us. We ain't doing this on our own. We hired a building consultant, and we're recommending to you a financial consultant that will walk us through this thing. All these things will be shared with you at that next meeting. But don't do this. Don't not be at the meeting and then run around and talk about what happened at the meeting like you were there. Pray for what happened at the meeting. Don't start gossip in the church. Pray through this thing, and God will walk us through. And one thing I do know, if Glenville has been around for 95 years in 2013, there ain't no preacher, ain't no board, ain't no conference going to be able to stop what God has done for 95 years. Put your trust in the Lord. He will guide this church, and he's still the pastor. Enough said. Turn with me in your Bibles. To the book of Luke, chapter 11. Luke 11. Verse 1. Hallelujah. I love all of you. But the love of Jesus Christ. The Bible says one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, and I love this, Lord, teach me how to preach. Teach me how to praise. Teach me how to minister. Show me how to heal. Teach me how to get a financial breakthrough. Show me where my man is or my wife. Teach us how to build a church. It ain't there. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. Now go to verse 5. We preached on verse 2 and uh, through 4 in our last service. We're going to go to chapter verse 5 now. The Bible says, then... He said to them, suppose, I love the word, one of you has a friend. How many thank God for friends? (laughs) And he goes to him at midnight. You can only do that with friends. Come on in here. And says, and listen, you got to say this before, you know, anytime you want something uh, at midnight, you got to throw this on the front end. Friend. Lend me three loaves of bread. Have mercy. Because a friend of mine, here's the reason why he needs three loaves, and this is crucial for how to get prayers answered. I want to talk today on how to get prayers answered. He says, I need three loaves of bread. Why do you need three loaves of bread? In the middle of the night, my family is sleeping. What do you want that for? The Bible says, because, I love this, underline this phrase, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me. Mm, mm, mm. And I have, I love this, I love this, I love this, I love this. You're going to get it in a minute. And I have nothing to set before him. That's my testimony right there. Verse 7 says, then one, the one inside answers. Are y'all ready for this? Watch what he said. You come to my house at midnight. Come on, you can tell people's Christianity uh, when they just wake up. You can tell how, how saved somebody is when you wake them up. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. 
The Bible says that after they woke my man up, he said what you would have said. Amen. He said, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Verse eight. I tell you, here's Jesus. Now I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet somebody shout yet because of the man's and the King James version says importunity. This Bible says because of the man's boldness, somebody shout boldness. Why you shout it, circle it in your Bible, circle it in your Bible because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Let the church say amen to the word of God. Today, I want to preach a message entitled, The Gospel According to Bruh Man from the Fifth Floor. <laughs> the Gospel According to Bruh Man from the Fifth Floor. Now, I just want to quiz you right now to see all my saved and sanctified folk that watch TV in the 90s. Uh, but does, if, you, if you know who Bruh Man is from the Fifth Floor, Wave your hand in the air and wave it like you just don't care. Ah, Lord have mercy. Oh, one more time. I didn't get to, I just want to see what elders I got raising their hand. Hey, Lord have mercy. Lord, we got, we got, we got, some, we got some, some senior saints in here that know about what's up. Ah, 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 if you don't know who, what I'm talking about, you'll know in a minute. You'll know in a minute. Uh, I want, I want, I want, I want to get right into this thing. First of all, uh, this is one of these parables that Jesus told in response to the question of the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. I want to pause and say this: We have been teaching you that the most that God only works through praying people. That God's manifest will for the earth only happens through the vehicle of prayer. Write that down in your notes. Let me repeat that one time. And if you want to see God go to work, Dwayne, then you have to pray. The Bible says it like this. We have not because we ask not. In other words, if it's not, it's because you have not asked. If you have not received, it's because you have not sought him. If you have not found it, it's because you have not knocked on the door. I want you to look now. Go very quickly to the text. I want you to see something very quickly about the intensity of what God calls us to in prayer. Somebody shout, I need to pray. But more than that, somebody say, but more than that, I need to be a praying person. All right, now watch what the Lord of the Lord says. I want you to go now to verse number nine. Notice what the Bible says about the power of prayer. The Bible says, so I say to you, ask. That's one level. That's one level. Most of us are at that level where we will ask one time. And if it doesn't happen in five minutes, then we give up. But notice what the word of God says. The Bible then goes on to say, it says, ask and it shall be what? Yeah, but we're not comfortable with that because a lot of us have been asking. Let's just be honest. Some of us have been asking and we ain't been getting nowhere. And we're trying to figure out, does prayer really work? But because you're a church person, you're not honest enough to admit that. You question. I admit it. Sometimes I question. Why has God answered their prayer and he hasn't answered mine? What is going on with it? I'm asking. I'm believing. I fasted. Why am I not getting the blessing? Then God adds something else onto that. Look at the text. The Bible says, ask and it shall be what? 
Then it says, seek and ye shall what? So there's another level then. The Bible says after you ask and you haven't gotten what you want, then I want you to go to seeking. Seeking is a stronger terminology, Andre, than asking. Because seek asking says, I can stand still and ask. But seeking says that I get up, Aaron, and I go looking for something. Oh, you're not hearing me now. Uh, what I'm saying is this. You see, I, God, God, I need, I, need, I need a wife, God. I need you to, God, I, I want a woman of God. But guess what? You just don't sit in your house and wait for a woman of God. Oh, come on in here, somebody. Come on in here, single brothers. Oh, see, now, I can't get no witness for the brothers. Let me switch that thing around. Sisters, you're praying for a godly man. Oh, nobody want to pray. Y'all don't want to admit it. You ain't going to be desperate if you say amen. If, if, you, if, if you just like the idea of a godly man, just throw your hand up real quick and put it down before somebody sees you. Huh? Watch this now. God says, he says, don't just ask for that thing. He says, if you ain't got it yet, he says, then get your behind up out of the bed with your curlers in your hair huh? and your nightgown on. Put you some clothes on. Come on in here, somebody. Don't look like a hoochie mama, but put something on that says I'm here. And go out and see. Come on in here, somebody. So I'm just being facetious, but know this now. The scripture says that many of us fall short of receiving answers to prayer because we only stay in the realm of asking. God says, now I need you to go seek. Where's my blessing? Where's my miracle? Where's my husband? Come on in here. Where's my wife? You're like the prodigal son's father. You're standing at the edge of your life waiting for your children to come home. You're just not asking God to save your children. You're looking for Johnny to come home. You're looking for Ray Ray to come home. And you're standing there saying, when is he coming home? And then the Bible takes it another step. The Bible says after you ask, you got to seek. And then you got to knock. Knocking suggests that you have now gone to a whole nother level. That you have actually gone to the place where you expect your blessing to be. See, watch this now. God understands. See, prayer is not for us. I mean, prayer is not for God. Prayer is for us. God already knows where your blessing is. God already knows where your miracle is. God knows how to get it and God knows when to give it to you. But God says, I don't want to give them a blessing without them receiving the blesser. And what prayer does is prayer puts us in tune with God so that when the blessing comes, we're able to handle what God gave us. And so sometimes God will, God will promise us stuff and he'll hold that thing out as long as he possibly can. But he doesn't want you to get weary in praying. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. For when, if you faint not, you will receive your just reward. God says, keep on praying. Keep on crying. Keep on claiming the promises of God. And then he says, when you're done asking, he says, start seeking. Start looking. Start claiming your blessing. Be like Elijah and say, I know rain is coming somewhere. And then the Bible says you got to just get ghetto. You got to get bruh man with it. Now, notice here, the text says to knock, right? The Greek word for knock there literally means to bang on the door rudely. So, so, so let's get to our text. And I'm going to get out of your way. In the text, the Bible says that there is a, there is a, uh, a brother that is in a tight situation. He's in a tight spot. Anybody ever been in a tight spot before? This is going to be good. I promise this is going to be good, y'all. It's good to me. At least I know. This is good. So, 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 I just got to get myself together here. This is good stuff. 
So, so, so what happens is, is the story says that, that in the middle of the night, he gets guests to come to his house. Anybody ever had that happen? You ever had family, you know, you were waiting on, you know, especially black folk. We'll be there at three. Hey, come on, they show up about 1130, amen? You know, you're going to sleep, amen? And so, so what happens is, is the, the scripture actually says that a friend of his, keyword friend, keyword friend, says a friend of him is on a journey and has come to his house at a late hour in the night. Now, the Greek word for journey is the word has gone out of his way. In other words, the brother is lost. Oh, you're going to get it in a minute. In other words, you, you have the friend who makes the request. He's at home. He's minding his own business. Then somebody comes out of the way or who's lost. They don't know where they're going. So the, the first thing they do is they see a house with light in it. They stop at the house and say, listen, I'm on a journey. I don't know where I'm going, but it's too dark and it's too dangerous. Can I stay at your place? And I heard Pastor Coxon bring it up in Sabbath school. You have to understand, in that culture, this guy more than likely didn't even know who he was. In that culture, your door was always open. Pastor, anybody could get up at any time. They didn't have locks on doors. Locks on doors didn't even come into existence until the days of the Egyptians. There were no locks. Matter of fact, during the day, the doors were open all the time. So if I'm traveling and, and, and I see that Mike's house, I don't know him from Adam, but I see that Mike's house is the closest available house for safety. I knock on Mike's door. Mike don't know me from Adam, but the culture says I treat my guests better than I treat my own family. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. It was considered to be shame. It was considered to be a lack of sacred duty and trust that if a guest came to your house in biblical days and you did nothing to help him, nothing to pull out the fatty cap, and they would go all out to make them feel welcome. So understand the man's problem. He's minding his own business and somebody is lost and bumps into his life. And so this is what he does. He said, whoa, I don't got nothing to give him. Some of y'all hearing me. I, got, I don't got nothing, Zach. I'm, I look at the house. I got to feed him. I got to feed him. I got to feed him. I can't let him come in my presence and leave with nothing to eat. It's my duty. So what I'm about to do is, I ain't mad that he got here late. What makes me more mad is that he came and I don't got nothing. So what he does is he says, what am I going to do? I'll go to my friend. By now, it's midnight, the middle of the night. Oh, the Bible says, Michelle, that he goes to his friend and knocks on the door. Now, let me tell you something else about culture. In those days, if the door was closed, yep. you don't knock. Mm. It's like my kids, you know, they come, to the, you know, the door is locked. Hey, Lord. <laughs> so don't, don't, why, don't, ain't, ain't, ain't no need to ask me to open the door. Come on, say amen. 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 So, so watch this now. If the, in that culture, if the door was locked, that means you don't knock. It, the door being closed says you can't get nothing from here. We're in for the night. We're sleeping now. 
Now, I want you to give you another picture. Notice what he asked for. He asked for three loaves of bread. Now, in those days, I got to give you context. In those days, people didn't have bread laying around in plastic bags like we do. Roman meal, you know, Schwabels. Is that what you call it? Schwabels. You know, wonder bread. Amen. They didn't. There was, bread wasn't just laying around in the house. There were no preservatives in those days except salt. So when they cooked stuff, it was always fresh. So watch this. Watch what happens. He comes to the guy's house. The guy has nothing. He said, I don't even have food to make for you. So I'm going to go to my friend. And this is what he did. This is, this is, why, this is why the story, story is told. It's trying to show you how ridiculous this request is. Take out of your mind the picture of somebody walking up into a subdivision. And when you knock on the door, they got a living room, a dining room, uh, you know, they got bedrooms upstairs, and they knock on the door. In those days, it was one room. And they had 10 children. And at night, they took their animals and brought them in that one room. So I want you to get the picture now. When your boy goes and asks them for bread, he's going to a house full of sleeping people and children. Anybody know how hard it is to get children to go to sleep? Come on in here. So he's going to a sleeping house with children, and what he's doing is he's going to wake up the animals, and he'll have to wake up all the neighbors because in those days, all the houses were connected. So it went against protocol. It went against etiquette. It went against culture for this man to go and interrupt this guy in the middle of the night while he's sleeping and ask him. Now, here's the, here's the kicker. And ask him to get up, Ebony, and bake three loaves of bread. Remember now, he's not going saying, share with me bread you got. When he goes in there and asks him for bread, what he's saying to him is, wake up everybody in the house, wake up all your animals, get your children all unrest, get your wife up, and what I want you to do is, I need your help. I need you to bake me three loaves of bread, which would take about four hours. In other words, get up out of bed and spend the rest of the night hooking me up. Has anybody out there ever been in a tight spot like that and you had nowhere to go, you had nothing to solve your situation and you were so, and your pride was messing with you and you, you wanted to go and ask somebody for help and you just said, man, my stuff's just so jacked up now. I just, I got to call somebody. I need somebody to come to my aid. I need somebody to just hook me up. Anybody ever need a hookup in here before? You, you, you didn't know nobody. You didn't have no, but you found somebody. One person had the right connection for you and you said, listen, I don't deserve to ask. We ain't talked in a long time. I ain't called you in a while. We ain't text. We ain't email. But I'm in a tight spot and I need a hookup. Everybody see what's going on here. So the Bible, look at your Bibles. The Bible calls him in verse 8. If you have a King James Version, the Bible calls him M. Uh, he, calls it, he calls him importunate. He says because of his importunity, God, representing the man, is going to hook him up. In other words, he says he ain't going to bake bread for him because he's his friend. How many of y'all know? Listen, even if you're my boy, you know he came at the wrong time. Matter of fact, because you're my friend, you got no business coming here at this time. So you, you, we'll see you tomorrow. But he says he's not going to make bread for him because... He's his friend. He says, but because he was so shameless. Because he don't got no clue 
that he will come and ask me for bread. And, the, and this fool ain't going to stop asking. So just to shut him up, I'm going to get up and I'm going to make him some bread. Somebody look at your neighbor and said, I need the Lord to make me some bread. Amen. I need the Lord to make me some bread. All right. So, so, so watch this now. So watch this now. The word, the word, the word, the word, we're here. The word importunate is translated in the New International Version as boldness. That's a weak translation. What importunate really means is shameless. No tact. It's like the person that walks in your house and asks you how much you pay for stuff. Uh, let me give you another picture. An importunate person is a, is a credit collector. Yeah. Some of you got phone calls when you in here and credit people are calling you. How many, how many of you see that 800 number on your phone and you already know who it is? Listen, it don't matter where you are. They call you. They'll call you at any time of the night. They'll call you any time of the day. And, and I don't know, has anybody ever been on the phone with them before? And they are rude. They are demanding their money, and they, and they don't care if you lost your job. They don't care if your mama died. They don't care if your dog died. They don't care what happened to you. They're saying, you better, you better pay us right now, or else we're going to take you to the authorities. That's importunate. Importunate means shameless. They don't care nothing about your situation. They just need their money. Kids are importunate. Man, you ever had guests at the house, you know, and you just, you know, you just, I mean, you're trying to impress them, you know, you're trying to be deep, amen, you know, yeah, yes, and, and, you know, God has been good to us, and, you know, Lord has blessed us here, and we've been there, and we have done this, and then, and then, and then the kid just comes in the room, mommy, I pouted on myself, and I need somebody to come wipe me, I mean, it's like kids don't know where they are. They, 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 they have no regard for the moment. They have no regard for space and time. They just ask for stuff. Can I get a witness in here? They'll ask for stuff, and they, I mean, I'm trying to say, don't you know we poor? You asking for a pony? We don't even got no backyard. It come Christmas time. You ain't, listen, you've been struggling all year long, and they turn around and ask you for the world, won't they do it? Sometimes, sometimes kids, they, they have no regard for the fact that you're upset or that you're sleeping. Man, my kids have come and awakened me for nonsense. I'm out. Two o'clock in the morning, especially since they've been in school. Hey, daddy, can you get up? Uh, I want a sandwich. Boy, you better take your behind out of here. Close that door and take your behind the bed. Wives can be importunate. Now, I need you to get my back on this one. I ain't going home tonight, but I got to preach God's word anyhow. Do you got me? I just need to know I got one man to hold me up. I say this all the time, but when my wife was pregnant, I mean, her requests for gummy bears. I made trips to Walmart. Thank God for 24-hour Walmart. In the middle of the night for gummy bears. 
I've been working all day. Ain't you supposed to be sleeping? A glass of water when I just got in the bed. I love you, baby. Uh, that's importunate. Understand this now, and, I, and I'm being facetious to get you to get the picture. To be importunate, Sister Billups, means to be rude. Jesus is trying to teach us a message about prayer, and you're missing it right now. All right, so let me give you the best example. My wife put this thing in my spirit, and I said, I'm going to preach bruh man. So, bruh man from the fifth floor. If you, okay, let me just give you a little history right now. Uh, in the 90s, there was a television show called Martin. And, uh, the, the reason I watched the show is because Take Six sang the intro in the beginning of the song. And I wanted to support the ministry. I'm for God's men. I got their back. Well, you, you know the story. I mean, I mean, so, 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 so. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> so, so, so a brother by the name of Reggie Ballard played the role of a rude neighbor named Bruh Man from the fifth floor. So for those of you who haven't seen the show, let me break down how this thing would go. Most of you know that Martin, who owned his apartment in Detroit, was a hothead. And he had the worst neighbor in the world. Bruh man from the fifth floor. What would happen on a typical Martin show is Martin and his wife Gina and his friends Perhaps they're enjoying a meal. Perhaps they're watching the game. And they are engaged and involved in something that does not concern bruh man from the fifth floor. But like, I mean, it was just amazing. They would be sitting there enjoying a meal and enjoying their own company. And out of nowhere, bruh man would climb through the window. Y'all, here's the funny part. So at this point, listen, I'm going somewhere, trust me. At this point, Martin is like, no, 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 bro man, no, no, bro man, bro man. How many times I tell you, you can't just get busted in my house like this, bro man, I'm going to go, bro man, I'm going to bust you up, man. What are you doing? And bro man would say, chilling. a crazy thing. See, it gets interesting now. And then your boy, bruh, man, would walk to the refrigerator. Now, see, here's the crazy thing. Please, please get this word. I promise you. Bruh, man, assumes that he's closer to Martin than he is. That's why bruh, man, just rose up in Martin's house like it's his. He thinks they're family, but Martin don't see him that way. I'm preaching to somebody in here. So in confidence that your boy bruh man comes up in the house and then your boy just goes up in the refrigerator. I remember on one episode, there was bread in there and it was moldy bread. And he took the bread and they was like, mm. and he said, yo, bruh man, why are you taking that bread? It's moldy. He said, man, I'm about to make me a 
wish sandwich. So, bro, man, what's a wish sandwich? Wish I had some meat. Go up my sandwich. Then your boy takes bread, takes food. One Thanksgiving, they're sitting in there for Thanksgiving. And they've gone out somewhere to church or something back. And they come home and bro man is sitting in the house. Picking his teeth with wings in his mouth. And the table has been desecrated. Macaroni and cheese is gone. Mashed potato, everything gone. And Martin loses it and said, bro man, what you doing? Chilling. <laughs> and let me tell you what happened. What happened is, is Martin got so used to bruh man's persistence that he ignored the fact that he was his friend and he got to a place where he let bruh man come in there was sometimes the bruh man would walk in take stuff and they would just be like that's bruh man I ain't never seen an episode where bruh man came looking for something and walked out without it if it did, maybe once or twice. But every time bruh man went in there with his rude self, climbing through the window, sometimes sitting at home waiting for them when they get home, they try to figure out how he getting here. <laughs> bruh man teaches us about how to pray. Bruh man was importunate. In other words, he had shameless boldness. The reason why many of us do not get prayers answered is because we're not shameless and bold enough to ask God for anything. Can I walk with this thing for a minute? Am I y'all still with me in here? Let me preach this thing. The first thing that we learn about prayer in this text is, is that first prayer. <laughs> oh, come on. Y'all with me in here? I said, oh, y'all with me in here? The first thing we learn about getting answered prayer is that prayer must be intercessory. Notice in the text, the Bible says that this man, he's like, bro, man, he went and asked not for himself. He went and asked for bread, Richard, for somebody else. Y'all not hearing this thing in here. One of the reasons why many of you lack so much and you haven't experienced any of God's glory in your life and why your life is so boring and there's no journey, there's no adventure, there's no miracles is because the only time you talk to God is when you're trying to give God a list for yourself. Save my children. Give me a job. Give me a house. Give me a car. Give me a blessing. Bless me, Lord. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. And one of the things that we're learning from this text is that this brother was able to obtain the blessing because he was in a situation where somebody came to him that was lost and they needed something that he did not have. And so when he cried out to God and said, God, they need me, but I don't have it to give. God, they need a blessing and I don't got nothing in my storehouse to give him. So God, I'm crying out to you to give me what I don't have so I can help out somebody else. Here, I'm going to say it now. If this church, if this church, if, if Glenville wants to see supernatural miracles, then we got to do more than pray for our own stuff. If God could tell that Glenville was really about the community, really about the lost. Oh, no, no, come on. Don't be mad at me now. Let's talk now. Oh, you know I was going here. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going we to preach this thing until, until we drop dead. Understand what I'm saying? 
If God could sense in your personal life that your personal life was more about others than it was about yourself, then God will withhold no blessing from you. I'm learning the secret to answer prayer. The secret to answer prayer is pray for somebody else. And watch what happens here. I want you to look at the end of the text. Watch this. Watch this. I got, I got two more points. I want you to watch this. When he asked for three loaves of bread, I want you to look now at verse number eight. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend. Yet because he got a bruh man from the fifth flow spirit, he will get up. Watch this. Here it is. Here it is. Watch it. Underline this text in your word. Underline this text in your word. Watch this. Here it goes. He will get up and give him as much as he He asked for three loaves, Orlean. Then, then the man said, listen, I don't want him bothering me no more, so give him enough bread to take care of him and his family. Hallelujah! That's the kind of God I serve. Oh, the Bible says he will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you would ask or think. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken again. Hallelujah! Running over, but he give it to you yeah. in your bosom. Yes, he this is you right here. That's you. You're saying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. God knows that you have no intention of ministry. That's right. That ain't even your style. Your whole thing is you go to church. You ain't say no souls ever. God says, look, I'll send them something. But I ain't going to send them overflow. I'll give, them, I'll give them little blessings. But when they start, if you want to get God's attention, pray like Jesus prayed. Jesus wasn't concerned about himself. Jesus' whole mission was somebody else. So watch this now. So when God blessed Jesus, you got blessed. Good word. Thank you. What I'm saying is this. If I have an unselfish prayer life, where the bulk of my prayer life is not for me and mine, but the bulk of my prayer life is based on what he wants for the world, how he wants to manifest his kingdom on the earth, then I'm bound to get blessed. Because see, if the blessing is going to somebody else, it got to go through your boy. It got to go through me. I got to, I'm going to get some. Come on in here, somebody. Somebody ought to bless the Lord. Listen, man, you, listen, God will never, listen, when you're ministering to other people, you will never come up short. It's amazing. Church, church, church people, church people, you know, you got ministries in the church. People lead those ministries and say, we don't got no money. You know, we, we don't got no support. We don't got this. I'm going to tell you right now, when people see that you're more about others than you're about yourself, then the overflow, we talked about, the overflow will come. It will come. You know why? Because God likes to bless those who are blessing others. Oprah said it. Let me tell you what Oprah said. Willie Phipps. Willie Phipps had just been given $3.5 million from Oprah in three installments. He said he came home and there was, there was a box on, on his desk and he opened it and there was a 
a, a check in there for, for, for one million. No, next day, express mail, two million. Yeah, three million. It wasn't for, it wasn't for him. You know what it was for? It was for his Dream Academy. See, Wendley has this thing called the Dream Academy that helps kids whose parents are incarcerated. And so one of his church members said to Wendley, Wendley, he said, he said how, come, how come they won't give us millions? We, we trying to win souls. He said, and Wendley, he said, listen, Oprah, this, this is Oprah said. Oprah said, we, I don't give money to people that spend it on themselves. The Bible says that God would give us the wealth of the wicked. But you got to impress the wealth of the wicked that you are not more concerned, Deborah, about yourself than you are about the work of God. If the work of God is lacking, if the work of God, Michael, is not in overflow and walking in supreme blessing, it's because God's people have gotten so caught up in themselves that God has stopped the flow of his blessings. Next point. Not only was it intercessory, it was impossible. Notice what his prayer was. I'm giving you points on how to get the breakthrough. First, your prayer life needs to be intercessory. The second thing, Violet Cox, is your prayers need to go from the realm of possible to impossible. God doesn't like answering possible prayers because he knows he's not going to get the glory out of it, Kim. So when you, how many of us do that? We, we pray to God, and when, when we pray, we know for real that if God doesn't do it, we can come through ourselves. We'll answer our own prayer. We can figure out how to fix it ourselves. So just in case God doesn't do it and increase my faith, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to fix this thing myself. And you know what God says? I don't answer possible prayers. I answer impossible prayers. So watch this. If you ever prayed a prayer and it was answered, if you ever prayed a possible prayer and it was answered, guess what? God didn't answer it. You did. Some of us went around here talking about, God blessed me with this house. He paid for it. I give him the glory. You a lie. You financed that thing. You did. You used your credit. You used your will. You financed it. God didn't bless you with that house because you wouldn't even wait on him. You didn't know. When we were down in Africa, there was a sister there. And I mean, a uh, doctor and, and, and his wife. And, you know, you just assume, well, they're a doctor and they got money. Then they must have done this. I mean, they had this house. I mean, it was a mansion. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was, I mean, doctors even shouldn't live like this. I mean, it was crazy. They had four help. You know, the help. They had four help. And so we were like, just as humble as can be. And we were like, okay, we, I mean, you know, kind of got importunate. Like, uh, you know how you try to ask somebody how much their house costs without really asking them? Like, man, this, well, this thing right here <laughs> must have cost you an arm and a leg. <laughs> oh, the Lord, the Lord worked this thing out, didn't he, bro? And she, and she told us straight up. She said, yo, let me tell you what happened. She said, what happened? She said, we don't deserve to be in this house. And we can't afford this house. You don't understand. The reason why we got this house is because my husband had worked on this brother at the hospital. And he had treated him with such loving kindness that when we were looking for houses, we ended up seeing this. This thing was four times out of our price range. Four times out of our price range. So how did you get the house? He said, what happened was is the owner of the house happened to be the father or the husband of the, of, of the, of the woman that my, my, my husband worked on. And so when he, he saw that it was us, he reduced the price down to what we could afford and we bought it. Good stuff. Good stuff. The impossible. How come that stuff don't happen to you? Now, I mean, we're real talk. I mean, we hear those testimonies and we're like, wow, man, that's cool. I mean, God is awesome to them. I mean, God is such a way maker for them. I mean, God really knows how to open up doors for those people over there. But when you, you're saying to yourself, when's it going to be my turn? 
When am I going to have that kind of story? The first thing you need to realize is you need to stop praying for yourself. Some of you got stuff and you won't even share it with nobody. Second thing is you got to pray impossible prayers. In other words, put before God stuff that you know if it goes down, it's only God. And let me tell you something. All my dreamers out there, don't stop dreaming. If God has put a dream in your heart, do not let people talk you out of your dream. Do not let people talk you out of your assignment. Do not let people who do not know how to speak the word of faith use logic and realism to keep you where it is. You got to keep your hand in God's hand and you got to walk by faith and not by sight. People will sit on you. People will step all over your dream. That's why you got to be careful not to tell everything to everybody. Because if the wrong person hears what God is trying to do to your life, they might talk you out of where God's trying to take you. What was his prayer? His prayer was, I need some bread because I don't have none. And when it comes to ministering to souls, don't nobody in here got anything to offer anybody. Understand what I'm saying here. Doesn't matter what school I went to. I mean, I'm, me, me standing here preaching, that don't mean nothing. Preaching don't save souls. God saves souls. It ain't your gifting. It ain't your gifting that makes the anointing strong. Listen, if you don't got no oil on your life, God ain't going to do nothing for you. The thing about it is, is we don't really have anything to offer people. There are people out here in these streets. There are people in our neighborhoods. There are people in our families. And we know that they need to be reached for the kingdom of God. We know that they need to be delivered from the bounds of evil. And we're saying to ourselves, God, I don't have it in me. I'm a wretched sinner myself. I'm struggling myself. I'm trying to pray my way through myself. I'm trying to get up every morning and serve God myself. I'm struggling just to stay saved my own self. God, how am I going to be a blessing to somebody? How are you going to call me to do something like that? Here's the amazing thing about it, Daniel. The guest that showed up to the house that needed what he couldn't give was sent by God. God will send impossible situations in your life. What happened? Here's, here's the problem with many of us. Many of us, Donna, we see the giant. And like the children of Israel, we say, oh, we can't, we, we can't do that. Can't afford that. Too old to do that. Too single. Too fat. Too skinny. Too black. Too yellow. Too whatever. I'm just too and that's why I can't. But, you, but what you didn't realize is that thing that was sent your way was sent by God because God is trying to take your faith to another level. God is trying to show you that he is able to do more than you can ask or think. I don't know about you. I'm tired of living in normal. I'm tired of living in average. I'm tired of living in mediocrity. I'm tired of standing here, ain't going nowhere. I'm tired of staying in my own rut. I'm tired of paralyzing myself with my own fears. God says, I'm going to send something impossible your way. And when I send it your way, I'll see you through. Every place where you set your feet is yours. Every place you go is yours. You just need to put your hand in my hand and believe in the word of the Lord. If God said it, that settles it. I believe it. His word is true. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of reading stories in the Bible. 
and they're not happening to me. I'm tired of hearing other people's testimonies and I don't got one. I'm tired of making up stuff. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Ah, oh, when are you going to come my way? When is the miracle coming my way? When is God going to move me to a higher level of faith? When am I going to be able to walk on water like Peter? When am I going to be able to tell the sun to stand still like Joshua? When am I going to be like Moses and step out in the water and it stands up on dry ground? When am I going to be like Elijah and pray for rain and rain falls? When am I going to be like Paul and preach the word of God and even though folk asleep, they get up dead? When am I going to be like Jesus and see dead folk and say, get up and see sick folk and say, you shall be healed? When am I? What is impossible with man is possible with God. You're asking, but you're not seeking. You're seeking, but you ain't knocking. Your prayer life needs to be intercessory. It needs to be impossible. Can I testify? I've been praying for average and safety for so long. I don't even know how to pray for big stuff. I'm being honest. Because it's crazy. When you've been living in average for so long, the big stuff that you call big ain't even big. (laughs) It ain't even big. God looking at you like, for real? That's what you're praying for? All right, I'll work with you. I'll let you have that. But let me tell you something. I got more for you. The last point I want to make is this. After your prayer is intercessory, it's not about you. Then it's impossible. It's bigger than you. Then the third thing is, it needs to be importunate. The Bible says that This rude dude gonna wake up the whole family for some bread. And this is what Jesus said. Don't miss this point. This is the this is the this is the crucial point. James, Jesus said this. He said, He said, the man ain't gonna get up and give him what he wants because it's his friend. He says, but he is gonna give him what he asked for because he keep bothering. Watch this. Now here's, here's what the Holy Ghost showed me in this text. I said, okay, I get it. Just be bold. You know, just be shameless. Hold on, here it is. Pray without limits. What I ter- told in the early service, and I, let me say this real quickly. I told them in the, this in the early service. You have to take everything to God in prayer. You, you know, you miss it. I'm, I'm going to give you this example. Some of y'all are going to misunderstand it, but you'll get it after a while. You even ask God for forbidden stuff. I'm going to say that one more time. Some of you only take certain things to God and you hold back other stuff Mm -hmm. because you don't think that you're supposed to take that to God. So I'm going to give you an example. There's some folk who in their marriage 
They want somebody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You marry, you're not happy, you want out, you're at work, you see somebody else, they got what you want. Tell the truth, you're feeling them, you're feeling them. But what you do is, because you're playing with sin, you won't even bring that to the Lord. Because you feel I ain't supposed to. God is holy. I don't take an unholy thing to God. But let me tell you how this thing works. You go to God and say, God, I'm in my marriage. I don't want my wife no more. I want his wife. Yeah, you, you ask, ask him. And you know what God's going to say? God's going to say, no. You can't have them. I already gave you a wife. You take care of her. You love on her. I'll give you the power to take care of her. But see, you know what you just did? You entered into a conversation with God about a struggle in your life. But see, that, see you miss what prayer is about. Prayer is about relationship. Let me give you an example. And my girl showed it to me in Psalm 69. And I believe verse 4. You know what David prayed to God? Listen, David prayed a forbidden prayer. They're called imprecatory psalms. You know what David prayed? He said, God, kill my enemies. He said, kill their mamas, kill their children, kill their wives. I ain't lying. I ain't making it up. You read it yourself. In Psalm 69, he said, let their mother's womb be their sepulcher. In other words, let their, let their mothers, let their wives, babies die in their womb. David prayed for the death of his enemies. And you know what God did? God just sit there and listen to him. But you know what? At the end of the text, David said, but God, I know that your ways are right. And I, and I trust in you. And I will exalt you above that nation. David learned something that many of us don't learn. The song says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything. Some of y'all hate people. Some of y'all like me. Some of you don't like your children. Some of you don't like church folk. You got to give that thing to God. You got to say to God, see, I've learned to take everything to God in prayer. I tell, listen, listen, Lord, have mercy. Listen, when the Lord was delivering me out of pornography, I had to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm tempted right now. Lord, I want to do something. I don't got no business. I want to do it. If you don't put a way of escape out here, I'm going to fall. So I'm telling you, God, right now, you got to have that boldness. God, I'm telling you right now, you don't keep me. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't keep me, I'm going to fall. And just every time, Pastor, the Lord would send a way of escape. Somebody would be praying for me, and I didn't even know that they were praying for me. God would send a door, and I didn't even know it was coming. That's because you got to take everything to God in prayer. Tell God you're a liar. Tell God you're filthy-minded. Tell God you're a luster. Tell God you're angry. Tell God you're bitter. Tell God you got unfair. Tell him. Just tell the Lord. The problem is, too many of you are praying to yourselves. You're having a conversation in your mind right now about stuff that you need to get right with God. And when you have that conversation and you don't include God, you are, you are interceding to yourself. So, in closing, bro man... On the fifth floor. You can be mad at him all you want. You can kick him out of your house, Martin, every time you feel like it. But he leaving with bread. He leaving with bread. You know why? 
because he assumed that he was tighter with Martin than Martin assumed. The reason why he was bold enough to go up in there is because he thought Martin was his boy. Martin, for real, didn't even like him. But guess what? He assumed that Martin had his best interest at heart. And so you know what the text says? The text says, how much more then will your heavenly father Oh, y'all not feeling me. I gotta holler that. I gotta holler that, huh? I gotta holler that point. Do you get what just happened there? Jesus said this man gave it to him simply because he was bruh man from the fifth floor. But I'm telling you, you don't got to be bruh man from the fifth floor. All you gotta do is ask me for it. All you gotta do is intercede for it and pray the impossible prayer and dream the impossible dream and and keep on praying and keep on asking and keep on seeking because guess what unlike martin i want to bless you i want to give you what you need i've already got the windows of heaven in mind for you i'm not giving you portals from heaven the bible says he will open up the windows of heaven ashley and pour out a blessing Jesus, you ain't getting it. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Listen, saints, the man went to his friend and he ain't nobody. But I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Thank you, Jesus. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. I am a friend of God. Lord, you know what I need. I am a friend of God. Oh, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. The Bible says, if the father will give up his own son, why will he not give to us all things? I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Have I got anybody out here who knows that? I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me. Now I want you to see if you feel like standing and lifting your hands. It's ain't for everybody, but, but for those that just need to remind yourself that you're not praying to an enemy. You're not praying to a friend uh, down here, but you're praying to God. And God says, you're my friend. I got your back. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Everybody singing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Come on, say, just sing it to the Lord. You don't have to sing if you want to. I am a friend of God. 
Hallelujah. I am a friend of God. Oh, I am a friend of God. Oh, I love this part right there. Y'all going to have to help me with these words. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call. Hallelujah. Yes. Is it true that you are thinking of me? 